Hello, this is Melanie, and I'm reading articles from today's USA Today, Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Starting with the money section under the money line column. First item, Aguilera offers fans a luxury stay in Las Vegas. Christina Aguilera is in the midst of a Las Vegas show, and fans can get an inside look this month. Aguilera is inviting guests for a two-night stay at a luxurious luxurious Airbnb house off at the Strip. They'll also get to meet the singer and see her perform. Prospective guests can request to book the listings on Airbnb's website starting Thursday today at 10 a.m. The stay will take place from February 29th to March 2nd and is good for up to four people. Aguilera will meet uh, guests for cocktails and snacks. The itinerary includes a burlesque lesson um, from choreographer Sarah Mitchell, a session with the singer's glam team, and a boudoir photo shoot, according to the release. Guests will have dinner at Aguilera's favorite strip restaurant, receive VIP seats at her show at Voltaire at the Venetian Resort in Las Vegas, and more. The stay is free, including food, but guests are responsible for travel to and from Las Vegas. Those requesting to book must be 21 years of age or older. Second item, Amazon is sued over Prime Video's ad-free access. A California man has sued Amazon, alleging that the company's move to run ads in all Prime Video programming was deceptive. Wilbert Napoleon, who brought forth the lawsuit in the interest of all Amazon Prime customers, said they were led to believe by Amazon's false and misleading advertisements that they would have ad-free access to TV shows and movies, according to the lawsuit, filed in U.S. District Court in Washington State February 9th. These representations made by the company led Napoleon and other customers to purchase purchase the service and to pay a price premium for the service, referring to the additional monthly fee Amazon rolled out in January for an ad-free experience. The change in terms, the lawsuit alleges, violates consumer protection laws in California and Washington, which prohibits a company from engaging in unfair or deceptive business practices. An Amazon spokesperson told USA Today they were unable to comment on pending litigation. The lawsuit seeks class action status and stands to benefit customers who purchased an Amazon Prime subscription before December 28th of 2023. Last item, Target and Von Furstenberg team up for a collection. Target has announced a limited edition collaboration with Diane von Furstenberg heading to stores this spring. The collection, a collaboration between the designer and her granddaughter, Talita von Furstenberg, will be available starting March 23rd in stores and on Target's website. The Diane von Furstenberg for Target collection includes more than 200 items featuring archival Diane von Furstenberg prints and new patterns and pieces exclusive to Target. The collection will span women's, girls, baby apparel and accessories, beauty and home decor, with most items priced less than $50. And to finish off that column, 
The Dow Jones yesterday had mostly a down day, but did manage to close up 48 points to close at 38,612. New item. The IRS will start sending out collection notices. Letters were suspended during the pandemic. This by Susan Tompore. The IRS collection letters are arriving in mailboxes once again, and if you get one, tax professionals say, please don't throw it in a drawer and ignore it. The automated reminder notices resumed in January and are set to go out in the regular mail on a staggered basis over the next several months. More than 3.7 million taxpayers in the IRS automated collection system are expected to receive these reminder notices. Taxpayers are urged to first read the notice carefully, then, if there are any questions, call the number on the notice itself, said Luis Garcia, a spokesperson for the IRS in Detroit. Don't worry, it's not an audit. The IRS is sending out what it calls an LT38 notice to let you know that during the pandemic some collection notices were suspended. This isn't a letter to inform you of an audit. Instead, the IRS is resuming the reminders and providing an update on your outstanding balance and options to resolve the debt. The IRS also states that if you paid your balance owed in full within the last 21 days, you can disregard the LT38 you received in the mail. Many tax filers could be shocked to spot a letter in the mail because the IRS hasn't been sending out these types of reminders for two years. They most likely received an initial notice that went out well before 2022, but many people might have lost that original paperwork. Some might find it confusing because the IRS had sent out some automated notices in error back in 2021 and again for some people in 2022. Typically, the IRS first sends out a a CP14 notice for an unpaid tax balance and then typically sends a series of reminder letters to follow. The IRS temporarily stopped mailing reminder notices in February 2022 amid the havoc triggered by the pandemic-related shutdowns. The IRS had a huge paper backlog to deal with then and needed to devote far more resources to clearing out unprocessed tax returns and correspondence. The notices that stopped were reminders which would have normally been issued as a follow-up after the initial notice. These notices involved taxpayers who had an outstanding tax bill for the tax years of 2020 and 2021. Important information is on that IRS notice. The reminder letter being sent out alerts the taxpayers of what they owe, outlines ways to pay, and gives a detailed amount of any penalty relief that the person might be receiving. If your notice indicates you have missing tax returns, file the missing returns as soon as possible, according to an alert from the IRS. It's wise to pay what you can can now to reduce interest and penalties. Taxpayers who are unable to pay their full balance due can visit the irs.gov slash payments site to make arrangements to resolve their bills. Some installment agreements and payment plans are available at no cost through the IRS and can help many people. You can apply online at the irs.gov irs.gov slash payments. Um, the IRS notes that 
your specific tax situation will determine which payment options are available to you. The IRS has expanded the availability of self-service tools, such as the document upload tool and online payment plans, which can offer help, often help taxpayers resolve their tax problems without needing to speak to an IRS representative, Mr. Garcia at the IRS said. In December, the IRS announced that the agency would waive some failure-to-pay penalties for eligible taxpayers affected by this situation for tax years of 2020 and 2021. The failure-to-pay penalty will resume on April 1st for taxpayers eligible for relief. The IRS estimates that 5 million tax returns filed by 4.7 million individuals and businesses, trusts, estates, and tax-exempt organizations are eligible for some type of penalty relief. Only those who owed less than $100,000 in back taxes for specific tax years 2020 and 21 would see such penalty relief. The break, which adds up to $1 billion in relief, applies to individuals, businesses, and tax-exempt organizations that were not sent automated collection reminder notices during the pandemic. The IRS noted that most of those receiving the penalty relief make less than $400,000 a year. As part of an initial phase, the IRS said 680,000 taxpayers automatically received a refund or a credit in mid to late December through early January. In a second phase, another 220,000 taxpayers will receive a refund or offset relating to the penalty relief by the end of March. About 900,000 taxpayers will be receiving refunds or credits. Taxpayers will receive refunds by check or direct deposit. It's essential to realize that interest does keep building on the unpaid tax debt involved here. The IRS is not waiving interest on unpaid taxes, just the failure to pay penalty. No relief is being given for failure to file a return. The failure to pay penalty is complicated but amounts to 0.5% of the unpaid taxes for each month or part of a month the tax remains unpaid. The penalty won't exceed 25% of your unpaid taxes. And don't ignore the IRS letter. Take it to your tax professional. Eric Bisher, Certified Public Accountant and Senior Manager for Andrews Hooper Pavlik, PLC in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, said taxpayers who receive a reminder letter from the IRS want to bring it to the attention of their tax preparer as soon as possible. Uh, The tax professional said can address what is owed in taxes and how to settle up accordingly. Someone who prepares their own taxes needs to understand that this notice will relate to tax years during the pandemic. Review your records and go back to the tax return that the IRS is referring to in the letter and figure out what move you'll make next to pay what you owe. If you don't agree with what the IRS said says you owe in the reminder letter, Bisher recommends calling the IRS to talk with a representative and ensure a previous payment made wasn't applied to the wrong year by the agency. New item. A capital, the Capital One deal could mean more perks. This by Medora Lee. Customers can look forward to a flurry of new perks if Capital One's 
$35 billion purchase of Discover Financial Services goes through, experts say. The acquisition would give Capital One access to Discover's high credit credit quality customers and its network of payment processing services, an area dominated by Visa and MasterCard. With more premium customers, Capital One will need to compete on premium perks, and that's going to be something that'll benefit customers, said Marbu Brown, founder of the Customer Obsession Advantage, a consulting firm advising businesses on creating loyal customers. Perks offered are going to be elevated to a new level. Here's what you need to know about the combination and what consumers may get out of it. How much is Capital One paying for Discover? Capital One plans to buy Discover in a $35.3 billion deal. Under the terms of the all-stock transaction, Discover shareholders will receive Capital One shares valued at nearly $140 each. That's a significant premium to the $110 that Discover shares closed with on Friday. Why is Capital One buying Discover? The deal will create the largest U.S. card issuer with around $250 billion in card balances and a market share of 22%, according to TD's Cohen. It would allow Capital One to compete in the lucrative world of payment networks. MasterCard and Visa together have 83% of the credit card processing market. They are the target of a bipartisan bill to introduce more competition by requiring the largest banks issuing credit cards to offer two networks with at least one, not Visa or MasterCard, for merchants to choose from when processing transactions. The acquisition would allow Capital One to build a payments network that can compete with the largest payments networks and payments companies, said Richard Fairbank, Capital One founder, chairman, and chief executive officer. How would consumers benefit from the merger? Better service, luxury airport lounges, and other lucrative perks, Brown said. Discover has scored in the top two in the J.D. Powers credit card satisfaction survey since the survey began in 2007, and Capital One will want to stay there, Brown said. Perks like Discover's travel travel portal and shopping discounts will likely be extended to Capital One's large customer base, especially those with high credit scores, said Greg McBride, chief financial analyst at consumer financial services firm Bankrate.com. Also, would Capital One ever consider adopting Discover's offering of doubling cardholders' cash back or miles at the end of their first year? said Matt Schultz, chief credit analyst at loan comparison site LendingTree. That's been a staple for Discover for a long time and has no doubt helped helped them build their brand to where it is today. What about savings? Capital One's foray into payments processing probably won't help merchants or customers save on credit card fees, said Doug Cantor, general counsel at the National Association of Convenience Stores Trade Group, which supports the bipartisan bill to increase competition in the payments processing industry. Discover has a very tiny percentage of the network, and that'll be true after the acquisition, Cantor said. It's a kink in the armor. If Capital One shifts all its credit cards to the Discover network, Cantor said that could be significant. 
but that's not happening, Capital One said in its release that debit card purchases will be processed on the Discover network, but only selected credit card transactions. There's a reason for that, Cantor said. The gravy train is too good. Visa and MasterCard reaped in $93 billion in transaction fees in 2022 from merchants and Capital One's likely positioning itself to grab some of that, Cantor said. If the bipartisan bill passes, Capital One could serve as the second processing option the bill would require. Passage of the bill would present a real opportunity for growth for Capital One and Discover, Schultz said. It won't change much for the consumer beyond having an extra company's logo on your credit card, but for Discover and American Express, it could mean the ability to have their network gain far more exposure than they have today. Debit card processing fees aren't as lucrative because they're capped. Credit card rates are set by processors like Visa and MasterCard. Everything from luxury perks and credit card fees, though, depends on the deal receiving approval from regulators. If it does, Capital One and Discover say they expect the deal to close late this year or early next year. All sides seem pretty confident that it will get approved, Schultz said. However, there's no question that a deal of this magnitude in an industry that has been the focus of a lot of scrutiny from the Biden administration and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau will certainly get a thorough look over before it is signed off on. New item, easing students' financial aid climb. Education Department says the FAFSA fix is coming for Social Security issue. This by Medora Lee. A fix is on its way for students who haven't been able to complete the new federal financial aid application because their parents don't have Social Security numbers, the Department of Education said Tuesday. The Education Department said a permanent fix will come in the first half of March, but in the meantime, there's a workaround. Students should complete the steps for the workaround only if they must meet critical state, institutional, or other scholarship organization aid deadlines by showing a submission date and having someone who needs to complete a portion of the application but hasn't a Social Security number. The process will allow them to complete the form but result in an incomplete submission that will need to be corrected later, it said. News of a workaround and a permanent fix is likely a relief to students who have been locked out of completing the Education Department's simplified 2024-25 Free Application for Federal Student Aid, or FAFSA, F-A-F-S-A, since the Education Department launched its new form three months later than usual at the end of 2023. The process has been riddled with glitches, and this particular one has hit one of the most vulnerable populations the hardest. If you're a U.S. citizen, the immigration status of your parents should not be a barrier to receiving federal financial aid for higher education, said U.S. Representative Jared Huffman in a news release. It seems like we're hurting people we're supposed to be helping get financial aid uh, or to get more financial aid, said Jack Wallace, financial advisor at Educational Consultant um, Y-Refi LLC. What's the department doing? The Education Department is offering a workaround for students to submit an incomplete FAFSA 
form before the submission issue is fully resolved next month. Detailed instructions are being sent to groups who support these students on Tuesday, and the department will post the instructions on student government in English and Spanish on Wednesday. The student can manually enter information for the contributor without a social security number, submit the form, and later return to submit a correction when the full fix is implemented and corrections functionality is available in the first half of March. Second, the Education Department expanded the number of call center staff, including Spanish speakers, to accelerate this process and cut down on translation needs to help people establish a studentaid.gov account if they need help. Third, the Education Department is also establishing a new targeted list serve for students and families for communities affected by these issues to sign up for regular updates on the FAFSA. What are people saying about the fix? The Education Department estimates roughly 2% of applicants overall face this issue. Justin Drager, head of the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators, trade group, said he appreciated the Education Department's efforts, but that the interim solution should not deter the ultimate goal. This interim solution, which will be confusing and burdensome to many, must not distract us from the need to stay squarely focused on a permanent fix, he said. College advisors are glad for a solution, but they fear all the glitches this year will keep students from pursuing college. These problems will cause students to forego college this fall and possibly altogether, said Shannon Vasconcelos, Bright Horizons College coach, a unit of child care operator Bright Horizons. If you can't fill out the FAFSA form, you can't get the money you need to go to college. It's as simple as that. Many of these students likely don't even know what the problem is. They're just getting an error that doesn't make sense, and students in a vulnerable position are unlikely to ask for help. With obstacles upon obstacles being thrown in front of them, many will give up at some point along the way, she said. It's unfortunate that this FAFSA simplification that was meant to increase educational access is simply seeming to do the opposite. And now some news from the Lifetime section. Under the Lifeline column, they said, What? The star's best quotes. I always think about the intuitive way you love a song or a movie. You love something and you just love it. You don't think to yourself, I have to love this because it's by a woman, for a woman. That's part of it, but it's not why you love it. You love it because it's great. That was said by Greta Gerwig as one of Time's Women of the Year, discussing the success of Barbie as a female director. And who's having a birthday today? Drew Barrymore is 49. And now some news from uh, in, the, in the paper. Uh, that was all there was in the Lifetime section. First item, fourth wave of overdose crisis hits. Meth, cocaine are now being used with fentanyl. This by Ken Altucker. Illicit fentanyl, the driving force behind the nation's overdose epidemic, is increasingly being used in conjunction with methamphetamines, a new report shows. 
the laboratory, Millennium Health said 60% of patients whose urine samples contained fentanyl last year also tested positive for methamphetamine. Cocaine was detected in 22% of the fentanyl-positive samples. Millennium Health officials said the report represents the impact of the fourth wave of the overdose epidemic, which began over a decade ago with the misuse of prescription opioids, then became then came a heroin crisis, and more recently an increase in the use of illicit fentanyl. The study found that people battling addiction are increasingly using illicit fentanyl along with other substances, including stimulants such as methamphetamine and cocaine. The report suggests heroin and prescription opioids are being abused less often than they were a decade ago. Of the urine samples containing fentanyl analyzed in the report, 17% also contained heroin and 7% showed the presence of prescription opioids. The Millennium Report is based on analysis of urine samples collected from more than 4.1 million patients in 50 states from January 1st of 2013 to December 15th of 2023. The samples were collected in doctors' offices and clinics that see patients for pain, addiction, and behavioral health treatment. Overall, 93% of fentanyl samples tested positive for at least one other substance, a concerning finding, said Dr. Nora Volkow, director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. I didn't expect that number to be so high, she said. Nation's overdose deaths continue to climb. Drug overdose deaths in the United States surged past 100,000 in 2021 and increased again in 2022. Provisional data from the CDC showed overdose deaths through September of 2023 increased about 2% compared with uh, the year before. Other reports show that stimulants, mostly methamphetamine, are increasingly involved in fentanyl overdoses. In 2021, stimulants were detected in about one in three fentanyl overdose deaths, compared with just one in a hundred back in 2010. The finding of methamphetamine in so many samples is especially concerning, said Eric Dawson, Vice President of Clinical Affairs of Millennium, Millennium Health. Methamphetamine is more potent, more pure, and probably cheaper than it's ever been at any time in this country, he said. The methamphetamine product that is flooding all of our communities is as dangerous as it's ever been. Methamphetamine has no overdose reversal treatments. As methamphetamine use appears to play a larger role in the addiction crisis, the medical community does not have the same tools to counter its misuse. Naloxone and similar overdose reversal medications counteract opioid overdoses by blocking opioid receptors in the brain to quickly reverse the effects of an overdose. Narcan, a nasal spray version of naloxone, can be purchased and is kept in stock by public health departments, schools, police and fire departments, and federal agencies nationwide. Chain retailers like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, and Walmart began selling Narcan over-the-counter without a prescription. But there's no medication approved by the Food and Drug Administration for overdoses involving stimulants like methamphetamine. Opioid substitute medications such as methadone and 
buprenorphine are used to reduce cravings and ease withdrawal symptoms from opioids. There are no equivalent medications, however, for people who are dependent on methamphetamine or other stimulants, Dawson said. That deficit is glaring. We need effective treatments for stimulant, stimulant use disorder, he said. The data shows different patterns of drug abuse by regions. The Millennium Report also found that drug use differed by region and methamphetamine samples were detected more frequently in the western United States. Methamphetamine was detected in more than 70% of fentanyl-positive urine samples in the Pacific and Mountain West states. (coughs) Meth showed up least often in fentanyl-positive samples in the Mid- and South Atlantic states, the report said. Cocaine appeared to be more prevalent in the eastern U.S. More than 54% of fentanyl-positive samples in New England also had cocaine. By comparison, fewer than 1 in 10 of the samples showed cocaine in the mountain region of the West, the report said. Other findings were the presence of cocaine samples in fentanyl-positive specimens surged 318% between 2013 and 2023. The presence of heroin in fentanyl-positive specimens dropped by 75% after a peak in 2016. The presence of prescription opioids in fentanyl-positive specimens dropped to an all-time low in 2023, which researchers cite as evidence that the U.S. addiction crisis has shifted from pain medications. Nationwide, the addiction epidemic has evolved to a phase in which people are often using multiple substances, not just fentanyl, Volkow said. This polysubstance abuse complicates matters for public health authorities seeking to slow the nation's overdose deaths. Volkow said reports such as Millennium Health are important because they give researchers a snapshot of the nation's evolving drug use and provide more timely data than death investigations from overdoses can offer. Thanks again for listening. This is Melanie signing off.